The Democrats are turning on Barack Obama. And by Democrats, I mean the 2020 candidates and many of the more vocal Democratic Party members. There are certainly establishment party leaders who are freaking out that they've gone on the offensive about Barack Obama's policies and positions at a time when Obama is still one of the most popular former presidents. I'm sure people would love to have an Obama third term. But now we're seeing the far left push. I've called this out. I've talked about it. And the establishment news media activists, these types of people don't like it. But the reality is it's true. They call it the centrist party line. The lie that we can't get things done. No, it's about finding solutions for people in this country and being pragmatic and responsible. It's amazing. The Democrats and the Republicans used to be very close to each other. And then something happened where the Democrats moved really far left. The data shows it. And I'm going to show you the data because I do often. But I want to start by highlighting some of these stories that have emerged, talking about how ridiculous it is the Democrats going, that, that, that the Democratic uh, uh, 2020 candidates are going after Obama. They're warning that if they continue to do this, it will be the end of their campaign run. Trump will win when you go after Obama. But I've explained this before. Let me just give you the quick just before we dive into all this news. The reason why I think they're going far left, for one, has to do with the media producing rage bait and driving people into this delusional state where they think, you know, orange man bad, you know, it's Weimar Germany, all these really weird circumstances. They then start pushing for policies that don't quite make sense. We see a lot of fake news. Now, the fake news on the right gets purged. The fake news on the left goes mainstream and makes a ton of money. But I believe one of the biggest reasons why the Democrats are going after Obama is that in reality, Obama and Trump's policy positions aren't too dissimilar. And that's the thing. Trump isn't as bad as the past Republicans. He's actually a bit more moderate on a lot of issues. People referred to him as a New York Democrat for the longest time. So Trump may be conservative and right wing, but he's actually brought the party a little to the left. And yes, I have data to show this. In response, I feel the Democrats are trying to differentiate themselves. So they go on the offensive for everything he does, partly because of the media. So then you have Donald Trump criticizing Baltimore. What happens? The Democrats defend the rats of Baltimore. Even after PBS and other people on the left, even Elijah Cummings himself, have criticized the problems of Baltimore, Trump can't do it. And then they take the opposing position. So when Trump says something about Obama's policies, the left, the Democrats immediately push back. And that means they are signaling to the middle of this country, to regular Americans and voters, Barack Obama was bad. He was far right. He was Republican, whatever you want to call it. So I've got a bunch of stories pulled up. I want to talk about Obama and following the Democratic debates, real concern, they're going too far left. I made a video before the second debates a few days ago with an article showing moderates are scared it's going to happen. Well, it did, though they did try to walk back some of the more wonky policies and call for border security and stuff like that. I still feel like with the attacks on Obama, they're going far left. So let's dive in. Before we get started, Head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's a PayPal option, a crypto option, a physical address. But of course, the best thing you can do, share this video. YouTube has deranked independent political commentary. They are no longer showing my videos for the most part to unsubscribed individuals, meaning growth is stagnant. The only way this this, uh, continues is if you guys think it's good, you share it to basically overcome that hurdle. YouTube is propping up corporate news. And if you like independent commentary, if you like what I'm doing and you like what we're going to do with Subverse, share the video. Uh, I would greatly appreciate it. But let's read. They call it a suicide mission. Democratic candidates warned against attacking Obama. The story says, 
Former, uh, this is from the nationalinterest.org. Former Attorney General Eric Holder and Rev Al Sharpton warned Democratic presidential candidates against attacking former President Barack Obama, whose record came under fire during Wednesday night's CNN debate. To my fellow Democrats, be wary of attacking the Obama record. Build on it. Expand it. But there is little to be gained for you or the party by attacking a very successful and still popular Democratic president, Holder warned on Twitter late Wednesday night. And I agree. Obama wanted universal health care. He couldn't get it done. He said, end of first term, he'd sign the bill. He didn't. He then made Obamacare. Very popular for a lot of people. Got pre-existing conditions covered. Very unpopular for a lot of people. The solution isn't to then say Obama did everything wrong. It's to say, what can we take that was good and expand upon it? And I make this point all the time. I look back in history about all the really bad things humans have done, but we slowly get rid of the bad things. That's called progress. We keep the good things. That's what we should be doing with any president. Did a president come in and do 80% bad stuff, but 20% good stuff? Great. Get rid of the majority of the bad stuff they did and keep the good stuff. Instead, Obama gets attacked and it makes everybody look bad. Another quote here, this whole suicide mission on going after Barack Obama smells like desperation. And I think it certainly shows that some of them are just not ready for where they are. And that is where you can take incoming fire and also shoot fire out. Sharpton said in a Thursday morning appearance on MSNBC's Morning Joe, that's Al Sharpton. You and I, Joe, have built our careers taking shots at people. But we also know how to take a shot without throwing our mama in front of the bus, Sharpton told host Joe Scarborough. Democratic candidates took shots at Obama's record Wednesday night while clashing with former President Joe Biden, the current frontrunner. Julian Castro, the former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under Obama, claimed Biden hadn't learned from the lessons of the past because Biden opposes decriminalizing unauthorized border crossings. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio also attacked Biden for the roughly 3 million deportations carried out under the Obama administration, a number hecklers shouted at Biden during the debate. Vice President Biden, I didn't hear your response when the issue came up of all those deportations. And that's de Blasio pandering to the activists, if you were to ask me. You were vice president of the U.S. I didn't hear whether you tried to stop them or not using your power, your influence in the White House. Did you think it was a good idea or did you think it was something that needed to be stopped? The mayor continued. Biden dodged the question in his response. And of course, there's many, many more uh, articles reading the same thing from Esquire. Debating the Obama presidency instead of the current one seems politically suicidal. I agree. I have been saying this all the time. Like, how do we get to a point where Barack Obama is far right, where the deportations and border security were wrong? How did this happen? We had eight years of Obama. He was reelected. The American people liked his message. They didn't like Hillary Clinton. Trump came along and he made promises about ending free trade agreements. But here's the thing. So did Bernie Sanders. Trump woke up a new voter base, much to the dismay of many of the establishment Republicans, and he changed things. Now, when you look at how you win in the presidency, it's very obvious. Trump won Ohio, Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin. I think that's what he I, I could be getting some of the states wrong, but he, he won the blue wall. He wasn't supposed to. Hillary thought she was invincible. She'd barely even campaigned. In fact, I think she didn't even campaign in some of these places. She lost. She didn't have Obama's charisma, wit, strength, and Trump wins. Uh, to reiterate, I then think the Democrats desperately trying to differentiate themselves from Trump because of his character, of which I think is boorish and in many ways immature. But whether I, uh, to stress, whether I care about uh, its policy, first and foremost, I think the Democrats don't like his character. They find him offensive. A lot of the media kind of exaggerates what he says too, 
But because of this, they always say everything he does is wrong, even when he agrees with Obama, even when he's actually not as bad as Obama was. So we have this story. I'm not going to read through the second story saying basically the same thing, but I wanted to show you this is the reality that other outlets are all saying the same thing because guess what? Regular people in this country can recognize when things are going too far left. Now, I want to show you something I find rather funny. I've highlighted the story from June 26, 2019, the New York Times. What happened to America's political center of gravity? The Republican Party leans much farther right than most traditional conservative parties in Western Europe and Canada. According to analysis of their election manifestos, it is more extreme than Britain's Independence Party and France's National Rally, formerly the National Front, which some consider far-right populist parties. The Democratic Party, in contrast, is positioned closer to mainstream liberal parties in Europe. We are very different. Okay, the birth of the United States, it's very different culturally. We left Europe. We created a new nation. It's very different. It was very libertarian. We had people off in, in, in the desert doing crazy experiments and getting like radiation poisoning and things like that. A lot of empty space, a lot of desert space, a lot of opportunity for frontier freedom. Europe was very, very concentrated because Europe has been populated much longer than the U.S. was. Now, I, again, I, look, I can get into all the details about colonization and the indigenous population. I'm not going to do that for the sake of time and to keep things focused. The point is, the current state of the U.S. and population density is well behind Europe. Now, technologically, we're very similar, but this is probably why our cultures are very different. The U.S. still has way more open areas and just empty space than Europe does, providing people an opportunity to live in the middle of nowhere. Now, I understand there are middle of nowhere areas in Europe too, but that's a big contrast. Europe developed for a longer period of time in close quarters than U.S. populations did. I think it's silly to try and compare the U.S. to Europe. But let me make a point here. They say the median party is here, right? Okay, well, why don't we just talk about the literal political center, which would be the center of their far left and far right on this map, in which case the Republican Party are squarely in the center of the right wing quadrant, and the Democratic Party has shifted to the further left section of the left wing quadrant. More importantly, let me just come down to the actual most important graph we have to, we have to, to show. We can see that in 2016, the Republican Party has shifted slightly to the left. Yes, that's under Trump. Surprise, surprise. They have not moved to the far right, even by the standards set by the New York Times. But the Democratic Party has. So look where Barack Obama was in 2008. We can now see how far left they've shot in 2016, and that's why they're going after Obama. That's why we have an article from CNN. When did Barack Obama become a Republican? Honestly, I don't know. But I agree with the critique and the opinions we're seeing. But let's move on, because I want to make sure I can highlight as much as I can talking about the current state of the Democratic Party, the the problems they're facing, and why I'm leaning more and more towards Trump winning 2020. Take a look at Nate Silver. Nate Silver tweeted this. If you're a pundit and can't figure out why real, actual people like Biden, you're not good at your job. He talks about the middle class a lot. He talks about Trump a lot. He represents the continuation of the very popular among Democrats, President Obama, and people think he can win. Oh, and by the way, Biden's policy positions are pretty close to those of the average Democratic likely voter if you look at the polls and so forth. They're going after Biden because he's the front runner, and they're trying to to, uh, disassociate themselves from him and Trump. Thus, the only direction they can go to the left. If they go to the right of Biden, then people they're basically Trump. So the only thing they can do is go further and further left. And that's the narrative we see. 
Now, this is just another example. I should have had this one further. The New York Times saying the worst Democratic strategy yet, attack Obama's legacy. But here's what I really want to get to. This is a story from just a couple days ago. Nearly half of independents say Democratic Party leans too far left. Poll. This shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. I'm one of these people pointing out the Democrats are going too far. The problem I have with Biden is he's, he's just your corporate elite, ivory tower Democrat. That's what I don't like about him. It's why I did like Bernie in 2016. It's why I like Tulsi now. I want a real principled populist of the people, Democrat left-leaning type. We don't have that. Elizabeth Warren is not that. Bernie Sanders has gone full establishment. You know, I have my fingers crossed that Bernie's putting on an act. And if, if he ever does get close to winning, he would revert back to where he was in 2015, talking about no open borders and having a lot of similar talking points to Trump. I just don't think that's a possibility, nor do I think Bernie is going to win. I want someone who will stand on principle, not someone who would pander to try and win an election. And that means Tulsi. Tulsi's not perfect. She said things that I will heavily critique, like saying Trump supported Al-Qaeda. That's ridiculous, and that's wrong. But I do see her and Yang standing on principle. But let's not make this about those Democrats, be it. uh, uh, To mention, uh, though, they do lean a little further left than Obama, that's for sure. The principle, to me, is the most important thing. Good character, charisma, experience, ideas. That's why I like them. But as someone who's moderate, leaning slightly left, of course I'll be critical of the Democratic Party. Obama let me down in a lot of ways, mostly on foreign policy. That's my main critique of Biden. He's probably going to get in and be uh, Obama too, Obama Jr. Why wouldn't he? Now, there are a lot of things that uh, that now that the Democrats are kind of losing it, I'm grateful to Obama for. I was never greatly concerned about uh, border security and deportations under Obama because he was doing what most Americans thought was the right thing to do. And so it wasn't a big issue. It wasn't big in the news for me, at least. The war stuff was. And so to be fair, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. When Obama is doing the disposition matrix, extrajudicial assassinations and things like that, I was raising alarm bells, NDAA alarm bells. Now we're looking, I'm looking at the Democrats and I'm like, man, Obama wasn't that bad domestically. You might disagree. Conservatives might disagree. And that's fine. But I think we can all agree. Yeah, at least with like some domestic stuff like like border security, domestic policy, military, Obama is a lot better than what we're seeing. Foreign policy, you know, Obama. Ah, I, admittedly, I understand. I don't know all, uh, I, I don't have access to all the briefings that Obama did. So I do try to reserve my my harsh criticisms on foreign policy for, for everybody, including Trump. Although, unless you want to come out and tell us why or how and, and really justify this, I can never get behind the war machine and the things they do. And that's, and that's true of many progressives. Look, there are a lot of people who are in a similar political position to me who flipped for Trump. Because they were just like, look, he's the better alternative. Not me. Because I vote on principle, not the lesser of two evils. Admittedly, there are a lot of former like Occupy activists and Obama voters who went for Trump on principle. And it's because Trump called out the free trade agreements. It's because he called, you know, TPP, NAFTA. It's because he talked about stopping the wars, avoiding war with Russia. And I couldn't understand why people, you know, were fingers crossed that he'd be the right choice. For me, I said, I'm bowing out. <laughs> I think, you know, I think character is very important when it comes to elections. But admittedly, like I said earlier, Trump can be the nastiest, meanest guy in the world. It does have a negative effect on my opinion of him because I think it's important to lead by example. But when it comes to policy positions, I'm center left. So I disagree with a lot of his foreign policy. Give him credit where it's due. The economy is doing great. What can I really say? I can't argue with a good economy. But, um, but I think there are better alternatives and I always vote on principle. The point is, let's get back to this story. It said almost half of independent voters said in a new poll, the Democratic Party is leaning too far to the left. 
The Hill-Harris X poll showed that 48% of independent voters believe the Democratic Party is swinging too far left compared to 68% of Republicans and 20% of Democrats. Only a third of independents, 33%, thought the Republican Party was leaning too far to the right. Let this be a warning to the Democrats. You're going after Obama. People like Obama. You are in the minority. When you say the Republicans have gone far right, that's not what most people are seeing. Now, I'm worried about the bifurcation of, the, of, of, of our political parties, the further splitting and the divide, for sure. But we can see that the biggest bracket here thinks that it's the Democrats going too far left, not the Republicans going too far right. Is that fair to say? Only a third of Democrats think the Republican Party was leaning too far to the right. I am in that majority camp. I believe the Democrats are going too far left. I don't believe the Republicans are going too far right. And I have data to back that up. The Republicans have pulled to the left in recent years. Now, this is from 2016. We do need an update. It's been three years. But look at the Democrats. The New York Times is showing us this. You know, I could be wrong. I could be crazy. But I really do feel like someone who often has a tepid middle of the road opinion because I don't have all the answers. And I look to these sources to figure out what is right and what people are thinking to determine what is the rational approach. Well, I'll tell you this, shooting straight to the left further than we've seen like basically ever is not a reasonable solution. And it's going to rip this country apart. By all means, we can move left, we can move right, whatever. But at, like, look, I'm someone who's center left. I think we can move a little to the left. Well, Trump did that. That's good news across the board. But when you pull this far, like the Democrats have, we're, we're walking in a dangerous territory where you're going to split this country too quickly. You know, you can, you can slowly bend a pencil. Do you ever see this trick they do where you take a pencil and you, and you squeeze it so it gets warm and you slowly flex it until it bends? But if you bend it too quick, it snaps in half. You need to work it, work it slowly, okay? Democrats, you're lighting everything on fire. But I do have more stories to go over. How about this one? Joe Scarborough alarmed about some Democrats' far-left push. That ain't going to sell in Youngstown, Ohio, and he's right. Think about this. If more independents are concerned about the Democrats than they are the Republicans, who are they likely going to vote for in 2020? Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, the places the Democrats need to win to secure the presidency, or the places they shouldn't have lost in the first place. You're talking about middle American working class people. You are not catering to them. So I, I do want, I, I definitely want to go over uh, a bit more because I have a lot of these stories. Moderate Democrats are fading. The far left is running the party. That's from Fox and I agree. How about this one? Democrats have moved too far to the left, says BET Network founder Bob Johnson. He says America's political establishment is riven with partisanship, riven with partisanship and has become very wicked and very mean said entrepreneur and media mogul Robert Johnson. Johnson describes himself as a longtime centrist and Democrat. Right there with you, buddy. Right there with you. You can't keep disregarding our opinions, Democrats. You can't keep disregarding our opinions, activists, and left wing. They want to get rid of us because they want the party to move to the far left, and it's working. Well, I'll tell you what'll happen. You'll see me bow out. I'm going to vote on principle, and that means it's going to be Yang or Tulsi, maybe an independent. We'll see. I'm, I'm not a fan of Trump because I believe character is important. And foreign policy is important. That's why Tulsi, no war, period. It's not perfect. We'll see what happens. But you've lost me, Democrats. And my friends, and, and I, I, don't wanna, I don't like dragging people by name. So let me just say, I know people who are prominent, who are saying, lifelong Democrat, probably sitting this one out. Because the rhetoric is getting insane, okay? I, I have friends who are diehard Obama supporters. Die, like, they are Obama crazy. And right now, they're, they're confused, asking me, like, 
hey man, that segment you did on Obama being a Republican, it's like, what's going on? Like they're attacking Biden. He's the, he's the popular guy. It's really simple. Gallup and Pew have both shown in recent polls, majority of the Democratic Party wants more moderate policy, about 54%. About 44 wants more progressive policy. That's the split. That 54% is going to be right there with Biden. That 44% is going to be there with Bernie. And many of those 44% are going to go further left than Bernie. And that's the split. We don't have two parties. We have three. We have the Republicans who are rather unified under Trump. That's what the data shows from The Economist. And we have the Democrats that have been fractured according to basically like, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll use the same study, The Economist report. That fracturing means you've got progressive Democrats, liberal Democrats, centrist Democrats, Republicans. Now, granted, within Republicans, there are smaller subsets, but, but for the most part, they're voting Trump. I'm a centrist, willing to vote Democrat. That's who I voted for in the past. I think I, think I maybe have only ever voted for the president once. I think it was Obama. But that's, that's, that's me. That's what I'm looking for. And I'm not getting it. So I'm critical of the left and their leftward lurch. They don't like that I do that. They'll smear me for it. But let's do one last thing as we wrap up. Let me tell you why Obama is under fire. Here's a story. Obama has deported more people than any other president. August 29th, 2016, ABC News. You want to talk about Donald Trump and the border crisis and the facilities? Sure. Why don't we talk about how Obama deported more people than any other president? But you deflect and say, yeah, well, he did it for the right reasons. That's that's an actual argument they present. Obama was deporting people, but it was for the right reasons. At least he's not doing what Trump did with these concentration camps. Oh, you mean the ones that Obama made? How about this one from Snopes? Did Obama admin build cages that house immigrant children at U.S.-Mexico border? True. It's also really funny because there was a a couple, I think it was like the House Democrats or some Democratic uh, Twitter account tweeted an image of the Obama era with children under Mylar blankets, blaming Trump. And then Republicans, conservatives and moderates pointed out, hey, that's a picture from Obama's administration. They deleted it, reposted a new one of the same era. And people were once again, like, once again, that's the Obama era. Here's the thing. What Obama was doing was popular. If look, just because sometimes there are hard decisions. Obama was stern, he was charismatic, he was strong, and he made hard choices. And I disagree with a lot of those choices. In fact, I think a lot of them are are downright nuts. The drone strikes in foreign countries and all that. But when it comes to the border, look, no one's happy these kids are here, but what do we do? Open the door and let them just walk in the desert? That's ridiculous. So to differentiate themselves from Trump, they lie, they cheat, they smear, and Obama gets thrown under the bus in the process. Someone who is still extremely popular. Here's a story from the other day. Democrats baffled as 2020 candidates go on the attack against Obama. Party leadership is confused. Why is Obama the target? Perhaps you should have realized this a long time ago. The centrist, moderate Democrat types who want to bring about rational and real change, who want to have a conversation and really do try to represent everyone in this country, they're gone. Now, I'm not saying they're perfect. There's always been disagreements between Democrats and Republicans. But in 1994, it was like this, Democrat, Republican. And now it's like this. So middle America, like the, the, the centrists in this country are being tossed under the bus along with Obama. I don't know if I would vote for Obama again. I didn't vote him for, vote for him the second time, mostly because I just felt disillusioned with the whole system and the foreign policy. And it was just, you know, the American war machine, right? That's another reason why I don't care for people like Trump either. And I, I'd be curious to see if Bernie would actually uh, stand against war. Yang signed a pledge to end, uh, to end the forever wars, Tulsi Gabbard's core mission is all about ending the wars. Tremendous respect for that. Okay. Let me just say one last two. I have two, two final thoughts on this video. Orange man bad. 
But Orange Man not nearly as bad as the media makes him out to be. Orange Man about as bad as Obama was. In fact, he's a little bit better on foreign policy as of late. The North Korea uh, meeting with Kim Jong-un was, was amazing steps towards de-escalation. Not perfect. Absolutely not. Because North Korea is still launching missiles, but at least we're trying. Canceling the strike on Iran was, was, was the, the right move, and he deserves credit for it. So Trump's actually making a little bit more room on foreign policy than Obama did. And admittedly, Trump is only in, you know, you know 60, 70% through, uh, through his first term. We'll see how he does. Um, I do believe he'll win. But uh, most of my criticism for Obama is foreign policy. If I'm going to compare Obama to Trump right now, let me, say, let me say a couple things. Unemployment did go down dramatically under Obama. He inherited the Great Recession. It was, it was bad. Like, unemployment was really high. It's kind of, the graphs are nuts. Obama was not perfect. I disagree with a lot of his domestic policy. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. But I, I'm, not, I'm not the most well-versed on, uh, you know, Obama's domestic policy for the most part. But the individual mandate to me was, was a step over the line that solved no problems, and Obama failed on the health care uh, issue. The o- Obamacare has created a bunch of controversy. It was contentious. I don't know what the right answer was. For me, the biggest issue during his presidency was foreign policy. But I will stress, we do have a downward trend from Obama into Trump of, a, of, the, uh, of unemployment dropping dramatically. The economy has boomed under Trump. So as far as I can say, Obama had better character. He was more convincing and charismatic. Hey, man, those are pluses. They are. In the end, though, I lean more towards... Well, we'll see how Trump does on war, because that's a serious issue for me. But I'm still looking for that centrist Democrat type. I'm still very critical of what Obama did. And Trump still has, presumably, another term to to see if he does better. But not that bad. It's just the easiest way to put it. Any sane, rational person is going to be like, look, as a centrist Democrat type, here's what I want to see. I really do want to see a more charismatic Democrat, um, moderate uh, type. Who, who, who wants to end the BS wars, really, really will bring our troops home to the best of their ability. I understand you can't snap your fingers and make magic happen. I want someone who's going to talk about actually f- fixing healthcare, whatever the solution might be. Someone who's willing to, willing to reach across the aisle, appear on the Ben Shapiro show, talk with Joe Rogan, have a real conversation with everyone and command respect by being honest and maintaining integrity. That's what I'd like to see. I don't see that from the Democrats, except for Tulsi and Yang, but I don't think they're going to be allowed to, I, I don't think Tulsi will make the next debate. Yang may make the next debate. So we'll see what happens. But that's where I'm at because I'm moderate center left. I agree with a lot. I, I, look, I think private prisons are, are horrible and we need to totally restructure this and reform this. And I got to throw some credit to Trump for leading a bipartisan effort on criminal justice reform. Okay. The media is just nuts and it's making it hard for people to understand what's actually going on in this country. We can criticize the president for a lot of things, but to claim he's as bad as the media does is just insane and it, and it does nothing. Because when you do that, you throw Obama under the bus. And that's why I don't think the Democrats will be able to win this one. So I will end with one final thought. Michelle Obama, she says there's zero chance she will run for president. It's just not for me. I just want to throw that in there because a lot of people have said, you know, maybe she'll run. Well, she's saying she won't, but that's the final thought. Um, Let me know what you think. Comment below. I mean, look, I can say it a million times. We know the Democrats are moving further and further left. For all the reasons I laid out earlier, and it's not going to it's not going to fare well. And if this trend continues, I think the Republicans might even take 2024 because they're going to be taking a lot of the independents. The majority of independents, as I've shown, think the Democrats are going too far left. Look at this too far left. So what, where do you think those people are going to vote? They're moderates. They're willing to vote for Republicans. They will stick around. Next segment will be at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash Timcast News, and I will see you all there.
For those of you that are watching on YouTube, you can see this man's face. But those that are listening on the podcast, let me just describe it to you. It looks to be an individual who is presumably not white, wearing a Trump hat, a MAGA hat, with half his face swollen and purple, and his eye is completely bloodshot and almost black. This is a man who says that he was attacked for wearing a MAGA hat by a group of young people who were yelling things like F Trump and things like that. In response to the news, we saw a lot of people on Twitter praising it. This is the story from Pluralist. Liberals say man brutally beaten for wearing MAGA hat deserved it. He shouldn't dress that way. Well, what can you expect from Twitter? Now, let me just point one thing out. People like this exist, cheering on the insanity. And you may say, but these people are crazy and we shouldn't pay attention to them. Fine. The only problem is you have people like Sean King with a million followers cheering on what happened in Tacoma with the, the, the guy who showed up with the firebombs. I'm going to be a little light on the details for the sake of, uh, I, I don't want to rehash the story because if, if you, you, should, you, should, you should know, check it out. A guy showed up to a facility in Tacoma. We don't need to repeat that. I want to talk about this. Now, this guy owns an art gallery. It's my understanding. Again, he's, he, he doesn't look white as far as I can tell. And he says that he was attacked for wearing the mog hat. He says, so we, we don't really know, but he did say he called the police. I don't think this guy is lying for a few reasons. We've seen attacks like this happening all the time. There's hundreds of incidents in the past couple of years where people are being harassed, threatened, and attacked for wearing Trump hats. So yeah, I can't say I'm surprised it happened again. And Occam's razor, would su- uh, uh, Occam's razor, the simple solution is it's just another story of a guy getting attacked for wearing a MAGA hat. Here's what I find interesting, Okay. When we go to a, a website like Pluralist, which does talk about culture war issues, when you go, uh, The Hill covered it, I believed, uh, I believe. Now, you can go to some mainstream, more centrist sites. They're going to be like, oh, this is really interesting. We should, we should report this because here's a guy who was attacked for wearing a Trump hat who may have permanent eye damage after had, had, had his face slammed to a pole or something. They said he was beaten uh, by a group of teens enraged by his hat. Interestingly, though, I decided to check the front page of the Huffington Post to see what they were talking about. And uh, I don't see the story. I'm not saying they didn't cover it. It's just not a high priority for them. For Pluralist, it's front page. And uh, there are other websites where they're showing this story. I'm not saying it's like the biggest story in the world. It's not, you know, uh, the, the centerpiece. But you'd think it would at least be in like, I don't know, the side column or something. Instead, I see people tweeting this story. And they're complaining because someone at a Trump rally looked at the journalists and then made a line across their neck. That's what they're, they're freaking out about. That's what, that's what I'm seeing on Twitter. They're saying, oh no, Trump's, Trump supporters are threatening the press again. And I'm like, okay, I'm not a crazy person. That's bad too, right? Don't do that. Don't show up to an event, look at the press and do something ridiculous, like, you know, a line across the throat. That's, 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 that's not smart. Okay. So I can condemn that. And I think we can, we can all recognize there should be some, I don't know, proper behavior. I got people are mad, but a line across the throat while looking at journalists may be crossing that line, don't you think? I certainly do. But let's be real. We can, we, yes, we can condemn that kind of bad behavior, but shouldn't we put the bigger fire out first? Here's what I, here's the way I think it should be appropriately covered. Hey, this is a guy who was physically attacked who may have permanent damage in his eye. He's clearly not white. He was just wearing a hat. That's incredibly wrong. I recognize your story about the guy at the Trump rally. I think that's wrong too. It's just not, not as big of a deal, but I will address it and will criticize it. That's fair, right? It's not like just because he got attacked, the other thing is okay or vice versa. But certainly we can talk about both of these things. But that's not what we see. You know, I, I, do, I, I think it's fair to point out for the Trump supporters who are alarmed by this, not talking about the guy at the Trump rally putting a line over his throat makes sense. 
A guy may have permanent eye damage for wearing a Trump hat. But for the people who are concerned about the guy with a line over the throat not talking about this at all is kind of weird to me. But you know, I get it. I've shown this chart before. Moderates get most of their news from liberal sources, but more than half from, mod- from conservative sources. Conservatives get about 60% from conservative sources and like 35 from liberal sources. And I don't know what that other you know, percentage is. Liberals, 95% of their news comes from liberal sources. So they don't see these stories. They don't care. And then they, and, and, and you know what's really uh, irksome about this whole thing is we constantly hear from the far left, we're defending ourselves. And the narrative works. The propaganda works. It's insane. You go on Reddit and you go to like r slash politics and they'll say like, why is the media even talking about Antifa? Self-defense? Really? Take a look at what happened. And then they'll put the fake narrative where it's like Antifa came out to defend themselves against violent right-wingers. And it's like, that, that doesn't happen though. But they'll show a clip of the Proud Boys punching someone and claim the Proud Boys started it. Look at this story. Like, you're going to tell me that this guy is like, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to believe it because we have like over 800 documented instances where people wear Trump hats and get, to, get attacked. Isn't it weird that they'll call me right wing for pointing out you shouldn't hit someone who's wearing a hat? Isn't it weird that we're at a point now where I can say straight up, hey, man, I may disagree with you on a lot of political issues, but it was wrong of them to attack you. And I also think it was wrong of the guy to draw a line on his throat, but I recognize this is substantially worse. Nope, nope, nope. Far right. You're far right for daring say, don't beat people up. They have, the, the, the narrative persists on the left that all Trump supporters are, you know, the, the brown shirts or whatever it's called, uh, you know, uh, but this, this is just some guy who owns an art gallery. He lives in New York City. Well, let's, re- let's, let's, let's read a little bit of the story so we can get some more context. They say, Actually, before we dive in, I, I, I should definitely do this. Check out timcast.com slash donate if you want to support my work. There's a PayPal option, a crypto option, a physical address. But the best thing you can do is share this video because YouTube has deranked independent political commentary. I really do mean it. Um, don't worry about donating or whatever if you can't. But YouTube doesn't put me in the suggestions anymore. A lot of people keep emailing me saying, you are recommended, Tim. I'm not talking about recommendations. I'm talking about the fact that YouTube has, has uh, basically shut down a non-subscriber suggestions. It's a specific thing. They're deranking us and propping up CNN so that in the long run, corporate media works and independent media slowly disappears, which means we can still fight back if you share my content. Or don't. I don't you don't have to, but let's read. They say Jahangir Turin doesn't sound like a white guy to me. 42 told local outlet Fox 5 NY that a group of 15 kids viciously stomped him, smashed his face into a scaffold, and shouted F Trump after spotting him walking down the street while wearing a MAGA hat. Turin had purchased the cap, in, uh, indicative of his support of President Donald Trump at Trump Tower earlier in the day. His injuries, a cheek fracture and badly swollen eye, were severe enough that Turin said he is seeing an eye specialist to determine if he suffered permanent damage to his sight. During a Thursday press conference, Turin called on the New York City Police Department to crack down the, uh, cr- to, to track down the individuals responsible. Sounds like this guy's telling the truth. If he's going to hold a press conference and call on the police, but hey. I always take, I always reserve uh, uh, the right to reserve, you know, doubt or whatever, because it's politics, man. I certainly think there's an, like, the overwhelming likelihood is this guy was attacked. Picks or it didn't happen, right? If, we, if, if footage comes out, if there's proof. But for the time being, I doubt he's lying to the police. But I will stress, I don't care what your political faction is. We have seen far too many hoaxes, right? While the hoaxes have almost entirely been people on the left, hey, hey, man. I want proof. I, I'm going to need proof. I'll condemn what happened. You know, when Justice Malt's story came out, I condemned that and said, let's see the proof. I'll say the same thing to this, but stressing, we have hundreds of incidents where people have been attacked for wearing these hats. So, you know, let's just, we'll see how this, how these things develop, but hey man, 
Don't be surprised if eventually someone puts on a MAGA hat, claims to have been attacked, and it turns out to be fake because you've got crazy people. But I'm going to just say, uh, I've seen enough videos of this to where I'll lean towards trusting this guy, but I'm not going to fall for for any tricks. You know what I mean? Jesse Smollett was a huge thing. And while many people are going to say, but Tim, that was the left, I get it. I do. But I still think it would be prudent to wait for proof. They say Jahangir Turin was asking for it, Trump critics claim. Commenters on social media were divided. While some Twitter users were appalled, others appeared to condone the violent act on the basis of the MAGA hat's alleged status as a hate symbol. Everyone should know that that hat represents hate and bigotry. If you want to show off that you support that bigot, expect plenty of negative reaction. Another user opined that the hat is divisive, and since Turin chose to get the hat in the first place, he should accept the consequences of his choice to possibly provoke others. Isn't it funny? Okay, outside of that story, let's look at that comment. Isn't it funny how, like, if a woman wears a short skirt, they say, just because someone's wearing something, right, we all get it. It's hypocrisy. It's a double standard. This, to me, is a good example of uh, principle versus tribe. For me, I act on principle, which means, yeah, if a woman is wearing a short skirt and a guy, you know, assaults her, that's wrong. She's not asking for it. If a dude puts on a MAGA hat and they beat the crap out of him, that's assault. He's not asking for it. You're allowed to wear what you want to wear. I don't care if you dress up like a banana and walk down the street. I don't care if you dress up like a clown and you juggle bananas walking down the street. Just don't throw those bananas at people and we're all good. That's typically how I frame it. Meaning you can wear whatever you want and no one has a right to violate your rights and your autonomy. It doesn't matter if you're a man, woman, Trump supporter, anti-Trump hater. There was a woman in in UK who stabbed the Trump baby balloon. Absolutely wrong to do. They have a right to have their their, their balloon. Silly as it may be, you may dislike it, but hey, it's their balloon. Let them do their thing. You know what? When, When that lady popped that balloon, it just made Trump's supporters look bad. Even if that woman wasn't even American, it was in the UK, I think. It's, uh, you've got to respect property rights and you've got to stand on principle. Admittedly, I'll tell you this. It's much more difficult to be a principled individual than it is to be a tribalist. Because when you're acting on principle, you're at a disadvantage. Tribalists can cheat. They can claim to be for one thing and then totally move against that. This next tweet says, I don't condone violence, but maybe not wear a Klan hat. Look, when you are inundated with fake news about something, it's still not an excuse to attack some little old guy who I guess his name sounds Indian, owns an art gallery. So we have this one. Uh, this tweet says, while J- Jesse Smollett and Erica Thomas got 24-7 TV coverage for their made-up anti-Trump hoaxes, Trump supporters are actually being physically assaulted for wearing MAGA hats. Crickets from CNN, MSNBC, Good Morning America, and other news networks. These are hate crimes. In D.C. they would be. But let's, let's point this out. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to be like on the left saying, he's, he's lying, he's faking it. Fine, whatever, don't care. I haven't seen proof, so I'll reserve judgment. But I lean towards it probably happened, right? Now, Jesse Smollett, Eric Thomas, viral trends, wall-to-wall news coverage. And what do I see on Twitter? A person at a Trump rally drew a line on their neck. Okay, this is the game, okay? You, you conservatives, you are not part of what these people care about brands, they don't care about you. And that means when you're physically attacked, they'll turn a blind eye. It means when an Antifa guy shows up to a federal facility in ICE with firebombs, they will turn a blind eye. In fact, Sean King will praise and support it. So you know what? They call that far right saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't have violence and we shouldn't be beating innocent people for the clothes they wear. They call that far right. Well, here's what you can expect. You can expect to be attacked. 
You can expect they won't find who did it. You can expect to be put in a position like Andy No, where you're brutally beaten in broad daylight, surrounded by people, all on camera, and the police will not find or stop these people. You can be this man with permanent eye damage, and the media will do nothing for you. They won't condemn it. They'll excuse it. Now, some people did come out after Andy No was attacked. Fine. But what was the initial reaction? Excuses. Well, he's a grifter, so he deserved it. Yep. You will not get equal treatment. These people do not have standards. In fact, if, uh, as the saying goes, if they didn't have double standards, they'd have no standards at all. But they really don't. And therein lies the problem with the, main, the mainstream left. I believe, you know, based on the data I've read, the majority of liberals are called the exhausted majority, and they're passive and traditional liberals. I think Andrew Breitbart called them default liberal, meaning they're not really politically engaged. They just vote for Democrats. I, I believe he was correct in his assessment. And then you have the far left weirdos who get a free pass for whatever reason. According to Hidden Tribes, there are two wings. There's the left and the right. The left wing is, is primarily progressive activists, and the right is traditional and devout conservatives. Everyone in between is considered the exhausted majority. This is the more in common uh, Hidden Tribes report. That says to me that liberals in this country just don't pay attention. So when you get the activist left working in media, they're not going to tell the uninitiated default liberals that this happened. And thus the narrative persists that the right wing is the worst. That's the game they play on purpose. And it's going to be dangerous and it's going to result in really, really negative consequences. Because I'll tell you this, social media has empowered channels like mine. Social media has empowered individuals to speak up and share this news. And the internet itself is allowing us to bypass corporate media and Trump exploits this to no end. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, he knows he has a direct pipeline to his base, to the American people and the media, they don't like it. They want to make sure this story doesn't get out. Well, I'm going to talk about it because attacking someone is wrong. You want to, you want to talk to the guy and have a conversation? By all means. You want to yell at him, insult him, call him the worst names in the book? You have my blessing to do so. That's America. Just don't cross the line into harassment and, and, and legal issues, but you're allowed to protest and shout and scream and re all day night and, and all day and night. But when you cross that line and violate someone's rights and physically attack them, well, now I've got a serious problem. And the media isn't calling it out. The police aren't doing enough. And I truly fear the real outcome from this is going to be authoritarianism. Because I look at this and I say, you're, we're going to get to a point where Antifa runs so wild that there's going to be demands that police take action. And then we're going to see an escalation in an already militarizing police force. But what do you do when this keeps happening and the police aren't, seemingly aren't stopping it? I honestly don't know. I really, really don't. The last thing I want to see is more heavy-handed policing. I've been, I've been victim to uh, police lying and falsely accusing me. It's happened to me. I'm not saying all cops are bad. I'm not playing that game. No, just I've had, I've had bad run-ins with police, and I've had run-ins with uh, cronies in the police department. And so not good experiences, right? I think we should have a more free society, and police should be held to a higher standard. But if this doesn't stop, I assure you, those passive liberals will eventually beg the government for more, to, uh, to give them more authority to take action against extremists, and that will just be bad for everybody in the long run. If the police can keep it to stopping the violence, we're fine. But I'm already concerned about the overreach of government and the way, you know, we've seen the intelligence agencies work with uh, um, spying, NSA, FBI, you know the whole game. The last thing I want is ever to advocate for more of that but don't be surprised when you see a wave of people saying, please save us and, and voting for more authority for the police and things, you know, and, 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 and the executive branch because of this, because innocent people are being attacked and nothing is being done to stop it. 
So I'll, I'll leave it there. You get the point. Stick around. Next segment will be coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. It's not entirely the media at fault. Now, a lot of people ask me, what do you mean the media? And journalists especially get angry because they're like, we're all very different. Okay, okay, hold on. The media is typically a reference to big media entities, big corporate players that tend to have the same view and the same opinion. Basically, the outlets that were wrong on Covington. Okay, they're big, prominent outlets, the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, etc. Obviously, the media refers to literally everyone, including myself. So when I say it's not entirely the fault of the media that people are getting news wrong. It's it, the point I'm trying to make is these big media companies get things wrong, but often disinformation is spread on purpose by activist organizations for several reasons. I believe the ACLU, which used to be a great bastion of uh, civil rights, I believe privately they know the truth. I believe privately the ACLU is worried, but they don't care because, you know, in the end, money. That's what it's all about. This is Races Texas with this heartbreaking story. Marvin, a 32-year-old man from El Salvador, died in front of his eight-year-old daughter this morning in a CBP detention center. The mother of their child is not yet reunited with her grieving daughter. This is the eighth death in CBP custody in nine months, Rip Marvin. What do you think people hear, or what do you think people think when they hear a story like this? Oh, they're outraged. In fact, we can see. The first response, where the UN, crimes against humanity. Trump is killing the immigrants and no one is stopping him. The US will never, uh, will never erase the stain of Donald Trump. This cannot go on that way. This is wrong. Support the ACLU. Oh, it all goes on and on and on. Hold the CBP accountable. Well, you know what? I can't blame these people for being angry. They're being lied to and manipulated. They're not being presented the facts, so they can't make decisions on their own. This is willful manipulation, in my opinion. And now let's look at how things trickle down. Ocasio-Cortez. To the folks outraged at the academics and experts naming our concentration camp system what it is, what else do you call camps where parents die as their children watch? Discomfort at the truth should spur us to change. Denial prioritizes our comfort over people's lives. Fake news. Will Chamberlain chiming in with the response. This is contemptible, Congresswoman. Marvin was taken into CBB custody at 9 p.m. on Wednesday. He fell into medical distress and died Thursday morning. How dare you compare that to the Holocaust? You and everyone amplifying this should be ashamed. Uh, I agree with Will. The issue here is ignorance. Now, I have to assume Races knows what happened with this story. A man was brought in. As they were processing, he became uh, medically distressed and shortly thereafter died. It was nothing to do with CBP. In fact, if CBP didn't bring him in, he probably would have died in the desert or wilderness. I don't know why it's so hard to talk about, but I have to assume it's bad faith. It's malicious. Okay, look, regular people don't like suffering. Okay, regular people, there's a, I was reading this thing about sociopathy. And what they would do is they would show someone a video of someone else getting hurt. When a human being watches another human being get hurt, they have an involuntary reaction where they can feel that pain, sort of. We empathize with each other. Humans survived and are successful because we do care about each other. There's been conflict, there's been war, and ideology has caused great pain and conflict. But in our communities, when we look to other humans, we have empathy, sympathy, and we can, we can sort of feel like, ooh, you know, maybe you've experienced that. There was this thing I read where it said, sociopaths don't experience that. They can watch someone be hurt and they have no response and no reaction. They just don't care. When I look at a story like this, I have to wonder why they're willing to cause so much damage and harm. 
Maybe it's because it's, it's political motivation. The ends justify the means. So they're willing to lie, cheat, and steal to get what they want. But the point I'm trying to bring up, what I want to say is, of course, we as normal people don't want this man to suffer. But this story is not that. It's a guy who came to the U.S. looking for a better life. He did it illegally. He was apprehended and died shortly thereafter. There is no evidence, at least as far as I know, to suggest CBP had anything to do with it. And in fact, if we want to break it down to its most base components, this man was better off being detained by CBP because they were able to at least try to help him as opposed to letting him and, and many others just die on the border. But think about this. People are coming to the U.S., whether we want them to or not. Some people on the left want them to. People on the right don't want them to. People in the middle mostly don't want them to either. When, when we saw that uh, just heartbreaking photo of the little girl and her dad drrowned in the water, everybody was, was upset. It's Trump's fault they died. Then we have a story of a guy who right when he's brought in, gets sick and dies. It's Trump's fault too. No matter what happens, that's how the framing is. The reality is the people are choosing to do this. There's an individual responsibility. They don't have to come here. Some people are in fear of, for, for their lives. I can understand, respect, sympathize, and empathize with that. And I believe the U.S. has every responsibility to provide asylum to those who are facing death. We can't leave people to die. Like when that senator went across the border and brought the pregnant woman with complications to the border, in that individual circumstance, I don't know what else he could do. You can't just stare at someone and say, okay, die. Granted, maybe he could have brought them to a, a Mexican hospital. I don't know why he had, he had to bring them to the United States. But sure, thinking on your feet, he did what he thought was right. I'm not going to put pressure on a guy who was trying to save a life. In the long run, though, we have to recognize people are choosing to come here. The bigger issue now is we have, we're going to have media outlets regurgitate the talking point, push the opinion, not the fact, and people are going to assume it's real, it's reality. When in reality, the story is quite nuanced. So I'm, let's actually read what happened. Now, before we get started, head over to timcast.com donate if you'd like to support my work. There's a PayPal option, a crypto option, a physical address. You get it. The best thing you can do, share this video. YouTube deranks independent political commentary. And as I often am critical of the media and the narrative espoused by activists, if we're going to get this kind of information out, I rely on word of mouth. YouTube is propping up the big corporate players, so that's just the way it's going to be. But here, let's, let's, let's see what actually happened. I, I, I did break it down for you a little bit. They say from NBC News, Salvadoran migrant dies in Border Patrol custody. A 32-year-old Salvadoran man died in New Mexico on Thursday while in the custody of CBP, the agency said. But let's get to the details. They say, the man who was not identified in the statement had been taken into custody around 9 p.m. Wednesday by El Paso Station Border Patrol agents and was being processed at the station in Lordsburg when he fell into medical distress, CBP said. The agency said attempts to revive the man were unsuccessful and it expressed condolences to his family. CBP said it was committed to the health, safety, and humane treatment of those in our custody, and that the death was under review. The DHS Security Office of the Inspector General, the government of El Salvador, and members of Congress have been notified about the death, the statement said. The man's death comes after the deaths of multiple migrants in immigration custody in recent months, including several children. In late June, a 43-year-old Salvadoran man who had crossed into the United States with his daughter collapsed at a border patrol station in Texas and later died at a hospital after being held about a week in custody. So let's look at that story real quick. It sounds like a man was malnourished, dehydrated, and sick before he got to CBP, who then tried to save his life. Unfortunately, they weren't able to. Is that CBP's fault? No, they tried saving this person. Now, look, I'm not going to uh, argue 
against the, the, the reports that CBP has disgusting and terrifying facilities. I think there's more than enough uh, reporting from real journalists to say, we do have facilities that are bad or overcrowded, and we need to do, do something about it. Not every facility is bad. We have seen, you know, government tours, but I'm wary of Potemkin villages. I'm also wary of activist narratives. The point is, the truth is always closer, is usually closer to the middle. I believe it's likely we have a lot of facilities that are fine, do have good resources, and I believe there are some that probably aren't. They're probably bad. But when it comes to the facilities near the southern border, they're probably bad for one reason. We need funding. Democrats have blocked that funding. So it's good to hear now that some Democrats are getting on board. But let's wrap this up. Ocasio-Cortez smearing CBP at the same time refusing to give them money is, it, it, it doesn't quite make sense, does it? When you think about it from a pragmatic point of view of trying to actually solve the problem, it seems like AOC is acting in erratic and chaotic ways. If you want these people to be safe and healthy, well, then we need to provide funding. But she's denying it, saying not $1. When you actually try to analyze what she's doing, it really does make sense. Deny funding to CBP. Then when they're understaffed, understaffed, overworked, and the conditions are terrible, you can then take a picture and say, see, look how bad it is, and thus push your political agenda forward. But let me ask you this. It's unfortunate that this man died. It's heartbreaking. The stories of him, the, little, the, the children, and the, uh, the others who, who didn't make it. But what's the alternative? And I, I've asked this before. Do we just say, it's all you? Should CBP let the guy go for it and then collapse and die? No matter what CBP does, they are going to be blamed by the left. And this is a problem. If we want to solve the problem and protect life, we need to be pragmatic about what's happening and be honest. But unfortunately, there are people who, in my opinion, just want political power and aren't being honest. Now, of course, I can say it a million times. Of course, there are people on the right. I am no fan of Mitch McConnell. I do not like that guy. But I'm talking about immigration right now. And as far as I can see, the Republicans are saying, let's secure the border, disincentivize the behavior, and provide funding to the facilities. Well, that would be a Trump win. Fine. I don't care. I'm more concerned about people like Marvin and these children. If Trump wins, I don't care if Trump wins. I don't care if he gets to put a, he puts a notch on his bedpost about his victories over the Democrats. I care if we're protecting the people who are, put, who are risking their lives and who are sick and dying. We can talk about disincentivizing the behavior, sure, but let's make sure these people survive. If the Democrats don't want to, I'm, I'm sorry, the Democrats do want to support this now, though they were late to the party, credit where it's due for them finally getting on board, but throwing some, some shade directly at AOC she, she is still of the opinion we shouldn't fund any of it. We should abolish ICE. And they've called, uh, Ilhan Omar, I believe, called CBP a rogue agency. Think about the alternative. Let Marvin uh, stagger through the desert with no water and then collapse and die in the, in the middle of nowhere. Is that the solution? It's not. The best outcome is to bring these people to a facility where they're better off because you could die from dehydration, malnourishment, exposure, or just an, an, an illness. You know, if you don't have proper treatment, antibiotics, whatever you might need in the care of CBP, even if it's not perfect, they're better than being in the middle of nowhere. Now, I will stress there is serious concern. If these people are sick and they're being brought to overcrowded facilities, that will make things worse. But then the question is, is it better to leave someone sick and dying out in the middle of nowhere? I honestly can't tell you what the answer is. I think the answer is no. I think we need to provide funding to CBP, secure the border and do something that makes sense. At least Obama agreed with that. Trump agreed with that. I don't know what the Democrats are doing today. I really don't get it. I don't. But so long as they're talking about decriminalizing border crossings and then saying it's a civil penalty, there's, what does that even mean? What are you proposing? Just tell people if you come, you won't be arrested. What will happen? 
And Julian Castro says, well, there'll be fences, there'll be border patrol, but for, for what? It's not a crime. It's a fine. So when someone comes in, you hand them a ticket and they carry on their merry way. I don't know what the solution is. I really don't. What I can say is, at least for now, the immediate problems are not being solved by fear mongering and, and baseless attacks by uh, the left and by activist organizations that are blaming CBP for a guy who died literally when he showed up. It wasn't his custody. Uh, it wasn't CBP custody that did this. It was the journey, most likely. Perhaps the man was coming here because he was sick. Sad story. Okay, we saw the pregnant woman with complications trying to come to the U.S. because she was at risk of dying, and I can respect trying to save someone's life. Perhaps this man said, I'm sick and going to die. I better go to the U.S. At any rate, whatever reason, he was sick before CBP picked him up. Now, sure, maybe there's some conspiracy. I really doubt it. Where a CBP guy did something, I really doubt it. It's just the story we're going to keep hearing. Migrants are trying to come here. Some will die on the journey. They'll blame Trump. Some will be picked up and then die shortly after, and they will blame Trump. There's really no solution to this. Maybe Trump needs to just say, fine, open all the doors and let everybody out. Go for it. Is that that what the Democrats want? In fact, maybe Trump should say to the Democrats, tell me what to do, and we'll do it. Okay, and they'll say, let everybody out. You got it. Because if the answer was provide aid to these people, AOC would, would vote on the bill to do it. No, the squad, the far left Democrats are refusing to. So certainly the answer isn't giving humanitarian aid to these people. I don't know what they want. I really don't. Because the Democrats and the Republicans have finally agreed. Humanitarian aid, fund the bill. Instead, the far left is saying, no, no, no. Okay, AOC, look, if you want to criticize CBP for this, you better come up with some real explanations and some real solutions. Instead, all she's doing is whipping everyone into a frenzy, as is racist. But I'll leave it there. Next segment will be at 4 p.m. YouTube.com slash TimCast. Stick around and I will see you then. We have a big breaking update on the Covington story. The fight is not over. Eight Covington Catholic teens sue, quote, most egregious high profile individuals for defamation. This is like Kathy Griffin, Maggie Haberman, high profile journalists, people who refused to retract and apologize. Interestingly, though, the reason they may have refused is because it's kind of a lot of opinion. And it's going to be interesting. Now, for those that aren't following the story, the latest update is that Nicholas Sandman had his case against the Washington Post, I believe it was the Washington Post, dismissed. And they argued it was because the Washington Post was pushing out opinions. The statements they published were hyperbole, rhetorical devices, and the opinions of Nathan Phillips, the Native American. So they didn't really have any ground to stand on. To me, all of this is extremely dangerous precedent. What this is saying is that if you have a large platform and lots of money, you are free to lie about anyone so long as you frame it in a very specific way. You could accuse Joe Biden, potentially, at least according to this ruling, you could accuse Joe Biden of, I don't know, assaulting children. You know why? Well, assault, what does that really mean? And Joe Biden did touch kids and sniff them while they winced and grimaced. The videos exist. There's one photo of him kissing a little girl and someone else is shocked. I think that's fair to say, in my opinion, Joe Biden assaults children. Now, of course, I don't really think that. I think he's a creepy weirdo, but there's a big difference between saying he abuses kids and, well, I mean, some could actually argue that's the point. So the danger here is that big, powerful, multi-million dollar institutions put out fake news about kids who did literally nothing. You know why this is scary? And, and, And I'm sorry if I'm getting... It's scary because these kids were just standing there minding their own business. They had no idea this was going to happen. They didn't do anything wrong. Someone else filmed them. Someone else lied about them, and it destroyed their lives. So let's read the news. But before we do, head over to TimCast.com donate if you'd like to support my work, because 
YouTube deranks independent political commentary. And I'm pushing back on the big mainstream media players. So you know what that means. They don't like me. What can I expect? But if you like me and you share this video, it will help the channels grow and it'll help me continue doing what I do. Let's read the news. Lawyers for eight Covington Catholic students, John Doe's one through eight, filed a defamation lawsuit on Thursday in Kentucky's Kenton County Circuit Court against 12 individuals, lawmakers, journalists, media figures, and social media personalities included. Attorneys Robert Barnes, disclosure, Barnes has written columns for law and crime. And Kevin Murphy began the suit by going back to January 18th, 2019, when they say, quote, a field trip to our nation's capital for a group of minors from Covington, Kentucky, turned into a social media nightmare that changed their futures forever. This was when MAGA hat wearing high school students, Nick Sandman in particular, came face to face with a 65 year old Native American man identified as Nathan Phillips. The lawsuit said that the defendants jumped to conclusions, painting the plaintiffs as racists, lying about an event they didn't witness firsthand, and libeling the minors. Note that these minors are bringing this lawsuit through their parents. Quote, Several of our senators, most famous celebrities, and widely read journalists collectively used their large social media platforms, perceived higher credibility and public followings to lie and libel minors they never met, based on an event they never witnessed, the lawsuit said. These defendants called for the kids to be named and shamed, doxxed, and expelled, and invited public retaliation against these minors from a small town in Kentucky. The defendants circulated false information about them to millions of people around the world. The video of the entire event, known to the defendants, exposed all of their factual claims against the kids as lies. The defendants were each individually offered the opportunity to correct, delete, and or apologize for their false statements, but each refused, continuing to circulate the false statements about these children to this very day on their social media uh, platforms they personally control. The defendants have been named as follows. They say law and crime is not included, including a copy of a lawsuit, as to not publicize their addresses. They say Elizabeth Warren, Rep. Deb Haaland, Anna Navarro, Maggie Haberman of the New York Times, comedian Kathy Griffin, Matthew Dowd, Reza Aslan, Adam uh, Edelin, Princeton University professor Kevin M. Cruz, journalist, activist, and journalist Sean King, Mother Jones editor-in-chief Clara Jeffrey, and Rewire.News editor-in-chief Jody Jacobson. Law and crime is in the process of reaching out to the defendants and will update with responses. Now they say that there's, you know, no comments for the most part. New York Times said Maggie Haberman wasn't served with a complaint. Quote, the plaintiffs repeatedly offered each defendant publicly the opportunity to retract, correct, or delete their offending and defamatory statements, but each refused, continuing to share their defamatory comments with the public to this very day, the lawsuit said. No individual plaintiff seeks damages from any defendant in excess of the cost of a four-year tuition at the University of Kentucky. Plaintiffs file this complaint for neither fame nor fortune. They bring the suit to protect future families from experiencing the nightmare the defendants caused to these kids to, uh, these kids to experience. Barnes told Law and Crime, prominent politicians, press, and public personalities used their big social media platforms to form a digital lynch mob against a, bu- against a bunch of kids they never knew from an event they didn't witness. He said that although most retracted, deleted, and corrected their statements, a few refused long after afforded a chance to do so. Here was an example of an apology made and accepted. S.E. Cup of CNN, I believe, said, Hey guys, seeing all the additional videos now, I 100% regret reacting too quickly to the Covington story. I wish I'd had the fuller picture before weighing in, and I'm truly sorry. Barnes said, Good apology, more needed, don't want to get sued, retract, correct, do it now. Quote, That is why we filed suit in Covington for these kids. So this won't happen to anyone else without legal consequences. 
Consequence. I founded Free America Law Center, a free speech supporting legal organization for all to democratize and equalize access to the legal system for victims of big media, big tech, and rogue government actors. For cases just like this, Barnes added. The first suit backed by Free America Law Center is the suit for the Covington boys. Legal remedy should not be limited to the left. We need free speech for a free America that does not privilege the powerful. That is what this suit and the Free America Law Center is all about, Barnes continued. Think about this for a second. Let me just pause here. These kids' lives will be forever damaged. To this day, people online are lying about them. There's nothing they can do about it. And these are big media players, prominent and powerful personalities who have privilege, I might say. Why, why can't we hold them accountable is the big question. They need to be. We cannot have a two-tiered system where if you have money, you can lie about whoever you want and damage and destroy their lives. Let's read on. They, uh, Law and Crime asked Barnes how this lawsuit was different from the $250 million lawsuit against the Washington Post. Barnes said he believes the differences in this suit, um, suing individuals rather than institutions, means there is a greater chance of success. Kentucky law makes it more difficult to sue institutions than individuals in the context of libel law. Additionally, the major media institutions almost all issued corrections per my request as defined under Kentucky law. Finally, we are only suing the most egregious high-profile individuals who inflicted the most harm and refused to issue corrections. The plaintiffs allege the defendants damaged them per se. What that means? A defamatory statement that is com- communicated in a fixed medium and is considered to be so harmful on its face that the plaintiff need not prove special damages. Examples of libel per se are statements that, one, relate to the person's business or profession to the person's uh, detriment. Two, falsely claim that the person committed a crime or moral turpitude. Three, imputes unchastity on the person. Or four, claim that the person suffers from a loathsome disease. The plaintiff said that the social media frenzy caused lasting damages. Does one through, uh, does, uh, does, does, does one through eight were subjected to public hatred, contempt, scorn, obloquy, and shame. The conduct of the plaintiffs based on the false facts the defendants placed and circulated into the court of public opinion, led to these lifetime labels on these minors. Quote, display of hate, disrespect, and intolerance, heartbreaking, decency decayed, racist, cried for America, infamous. Go, I'm not going to read every single one. There's a lot. They go on to say, the kids were, uh, they said they should be, they should be doxxed, named and shamed, expelled from school, denied admission to college, punched in the face, their bodies shredded and their lives ruined. Plaintiffs have demanded a jury trial and judgment no less than 15,000, but no more than 50,000 against each of the named defendants. They seek compensation for costs, expenses, attorney's fees, as well as declaratory and equitable relief from the court. Below are images of tweets that were included as the exhibits in the lawsuit. Now, I want to point out, um, I'm not a lawyer, but some of these are opinions. Um, Congresswoman Deb Haaland said, this veteran put his life on the line for our country. Opinion. The student's display of blatant hate, disrespect, and intolerance is a signal of how common decency has decayed under this administration. Heartbreaking. That's an opinion. She may have actually had the correct video and still felt that way. I don't know how they can win on that. They say, must watch Native American elder taunted by racist MAGA hat wearing teens speaks and cries for America, the country he defended and sacrificed and wore the uniform for. It is people like Nathan Phillips who make America great. That's an opinion, right? So uh, here we have Sean King saying that they were mocking and, and all that. It's weak and despicable. They surrounded and mocked a beloved elder, you know, Native American. Again, it's an opinion, even in the correct context. They, you, they, they could argue they saw that and that's their opinion. I don't know how you sue for that. There is something interesting, though, 
Reza Aslan saying the kids' face is punchable is interesting. That's an opinion too, but it's close to an incitement for violence. I don't know how that'll work. Now, here's, here's where it gets important. A Native American Vietnam War veteran. Boom, right there. False statement of fact. He is not. She says, was seen being harassed and mocked by a group of MAGA hat wearing teens. He's not a Vietnam War vet. So even if your opinion is these kids were mocking someone, they certainly weren't mocking a Vietnam War vet. That is a false statement of fact and may be actionable. I'm not sure though. Maggie Haberman said, there are dozens of students laughing and egging on the behavior. An opinion. But that's, that, that may be a false statement of fact. You can't prove the kids were egging it on. Will be interesting to see if anyone is actually expelled as officials suggest is possible. In the end, I think, you know, Elizabeth Warren said Vietnam War veteran. He is not false statement of fact. Endured hateful taunts with dignity and strength then urge us to all do better. Kathy Griffin called for them to be docs, so she's in trouble. Uh, I'll just point this out and, and, I'll, and I'll leave it here because you get it. There's the news. We'll see. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know for sure, but it's really hard to sue for, for defamation and libel in this country. This seems much more winnable. They're not asking for an arm and a leg. The $250 million against the Washington Post is exorbitant. This seems more reasonable. You know, they're asking for 15 to 50,000 per person. And these are high profile, wealthy and prominent individuals who were given the opportunity to apologize and they didn't. It's, it all sounds very reasonable. So we'll see where it goes. But stick around. I got another segment coming up in a few minutes and I will see you shortly. Mario Lopez made the classic mistake. He apologized and the apology is worse than the controversy. For those that haven't been following the story, Mario Lopez is conservative. He appeared in the Candace Owens podcast, and he said, you know, something to the effect of, I'm not going to tell parents how to raise their kids, but I just don't think a three-year-old can make the determination if they're trans or not. That's basically what he said. A very tepid opinion, I might add, but I would agree with him. I don't think three-year-olds understand the concept of gender at all. They don't understand the con- like, do they even have object permanence yet? Okay, they do, but I'm making a joke. The point is, three Three-year-olds can barely form cohesive sentences, let alone decide if they want to be something completely different than what they've never developed into in the first place, okay? Before puberty, you're not experiencing, like, (laughs) sexual development. So they don't even know what it's like to be a man or a woman. And it's a serious problem, okay? You know, I think there, there are trans kids for sure. The problem is three is a bit young. Okay, even if you want to argue that a 10 or 12 year old might understand and you can put them on puberty blockers, I'm listening. Three though? So anyway, here's the thing. First, let me just say, I'm not a scientist, okay? I can't tell you what's right or wrong. It's my opinion. And if you don't like it, that's too bad. Mario Lopez, not unreasonable. You're not a scientist either, like you know, but you made the big mistake of apologizing. Check this story out. Mario Lopez misses extra taping, apologizes for transgender remarks. I wonder why he missed that taping. I honestly don't know. I don't know. And I'm not one to trust gossip blogs, but let's do this. Let's, let's, let's jump over to this story that's, that's going around, and I don't know if it's credible or not. This is from Radar Online. It is part of the same company that I think National Enquirer is. I am not one who trusts this at all. But this is being picked up by some other, it's being sourced by other, uh, uh, can, like NewsGuard certified and credible outlets. So there's multiple people citing this. I can't say it's fake news. I can't say it's fake news. Radar Online isn't necessarily, it's just a gossip website. So it may be legitimate. Take, take, so take it all with a grain of salt. But the only reason I'm willing to talk about this, uh, Mario fired. Access Hollywood holds emergency meeting after Lopez's transphobic comments. 
The network prides itself on equality and does not stand for anti-LGBTQ hate speech. I don't know if it's true, but this is the story we saw a few days ago that he missed a taping. He wasn't on the show. So perhaps it is true. Normally, I don't like using gossip blogs, but if he already missed one episode and then someone else is reporting this and other people are picking this up, maybe the case. So let's read and see what they say. Uh, let's, let's, let me zoom in real quick for you. Disgraced TV show host Mario Lopez's transphobic comments may cost him his job, Radar Online can exclusively reveal. Okay, hold on. Disgraced TV show host? What? Because of one paragraph he said one time a month ago? May cost him his job, they say. And they're transphobic? I'm sorry, they're not transphobic. They're rational. And what any uninitiated person might... Look, you can't assume everyone knows what you know. And this is the nightmare of today's reality. But I'll tell you what. The apology was worse than the outrage. Congratulations, Mario Lopez, assuming this is true. They say... According to sources, the former Saved by the Bell star is facing possible termination from his upcoming gig as host on Access Hollywood. The execs at NBC held an emergency meeting yesterday to discuss Mario's future with the show because they do not see how they can just let this fly, a source said. This seems, this seems to be like fake news, I gotta say. I'm gonna stress that to no, to no end. It's all just framed so perfectly to be anti-Mario Lopez. Lopez's controversial comments led the network to second-guess their opinion of the longtime host. Mario's comments are not an accurate representation of what the network stands for at all. The network prides itself on equality and do not accept anti-LGBTQ hate speech at all. As Radar previously reported, Lopez 45 came under fire during an interview on the Candace Owens show after he said it was dangerous for parents to label their children as transgender. He said, if you come from a place of love, you know, you really can't go wrong. But at the same time, my God, if you're three years old, and you're saying you're feeling a certain way, or you think you're a boy or a girl, whatever the case may be, I just think it's dangerous as a parent to make this determination then. For a three-year-old, I have to agree. But after the interview resurfaced on Twitter this week, Lopez walked back his statement in an apology to, you, to uh, Us Weekly. Is it Us or is it US? I don't know. Quote, and here was where he, uh, he signed his, his death warrant, put a nail in the coffin. The comments I made were ignorant and insensitive. And I now have a deeper understanding of how hurtful they were, Lopez said. I have been and always will be an ardent supporter of the LGBTQ community, and I am going to use this opportunity to better educate myself. Moving forward, I will be more informed and thoughtful. According to the informant, however, Lopez's apology may have come too little, a little too late. New York Times put out a story recently saying apologies make things worse. That's it. They make things worse. I'll tell you why. From a PR standpoint, the go-to advice every marketing person, any, anyone worth their weight, will give you is say nothing, do nothing, ignore it, and carry on. Let the media get bored and they will forget about it. When you address it, you fan the flames and reignite the story. The comments were made a month ago. Mario Lopez could have very well just ignored all of it and refused to apologize. Instead, what did they do? Quote, his apology really meant nothing at all, the insider told Radar exclusively. All it does is solidify that he was aware that his comments were transphobic and hurtful. Meanwhile, sources reveal Lopez's PR team thinks they're going to make an example out of him, and they're probably right. He's lost a lot of fans from this, and there is no way that he could ever really recover them back. Now, I want to stop here and say uh, why I think this is fake news. I, 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 I do not believe this is legit. Look, 
The only reason I'm talking about it is because he did miss a taping. We don't know why. He did. There is a controversy, and this is what we would expect to happen, but it seems all too perfect. This insider is really trying to punish Mario Lopez, saying your apology means nothing. You know what you said was transphobic. They open the story by saying he's a disgraced TV show host. This is not legit news. At any rate, it is hyperbolic framing devices, very biased. So I question whether or not they, le- they have a legitimate source. I can't call it fake news, though. I can't. It may be real. I don't know what to say. A lot of other people are sourcing this. I want to make sure I repeat that. But boy, does this story seem so perfect for the culture war. It's playing to those who are, you know, pro, you know, trans political activists. And it's also playing to those who are anti-SJW. The trans political activists are going to see it and say, he is transphobic. He is disgraced. And the anti-SJW types are going to be like, oh my God, the apology backfired. Who could have seen this, right? Even a bit of my opinions play perfectly into it. That's why I question it. But again, I just want to stress this because, of course, if it turns out to be fake, in whatever whatever probability it will be, they're going to come in and be like, oh, Tim's pushing conspiracies, whatever. Let's read on. Um, so, okay, we read this part already. They say, uh, ending the story, fans know Lopez has hosted WB's show Extra, which is a rival of Access Hollywood since 94. After not appearing on the show last night, Extra released a statement that read, quote, while we have enjoyed a long relationship with Mario Lopez who we know to be a caring person. The opinions he expressed in this interview do not reflect those of Extra. Oh, Extra, are you saying that you're in favor of three-year-olds determining whether or not they should take life-altering drugs? How is that not more offensive and egregious? I don't know. Mind-blowing, isn't it? We wholeheartedly embrace our friends from the LGBTQ community and believe they need support and love. For more support on these issues, you can go to glad.org. A source close to the situation insists... Lopez is not on the chopping block at Access Hollywood and will begin production in the fall. And that is the final reason why I think this is fake news. Who's their source? I don't like anonymous sourcing. I don't like insiders. The way the person framed it fits so perfectly into a narrative. And then they add very, very quietly at the end, a source close situation insists he's not on the chopping block and will begin production in fall. Interesting. They do this huge story talking about how Mario Lopez is being slammed and smeared and he's going to be fired and all that, and then very quietly at the end. So I'll just stress, it's a national uh, inquirer source, and I will throw a little bit of criticism to those other outlets, notably the Daily Wire cited this. Um, I don't know, maybe they did call it out, fine. The only reason, again, I just want to make sure I have this very clear, I'm extremely skeptical of this story. It's celebrity gossip. It may be real. It really may be. I will just say this. Mario Lopez missed a taping. Apologies never work. The New York Times shows that when you apologize, you make things worse. That's why I think it may actually be possible. I mean, Radar Online, celebrity gossip or not, they're reporting it. So what can I really say? But let me just give a little bit of advice before we sign off on this one. I do, I do, I do try to keep these segments shorter than, uh, than anything else. So I'm, I'm not going to get into the main story here about him missing work. When you apologize, you give them evidence that you knew what you did, or you confirm it is true. That's why I'm skeptical of the story, but it is, it is true. So it's, it's hard to say if it's completely fake. Apologies are you signaling to the activists. I acknowledge your complaints are accurate. And then they say, aha, he admitted it. He admitted it. He's guilty. Burn him at the stake. So you're better off ignoring it. And we're worse off for it because apologies, people should apologize and they do wrong. But unfortunately in today's outrage culture, it doesn't matter. When you apologize, 
you just tell them, okay, I plead guilty. That's what you're saying. I plead guilty. We actually have, I, I believe in the US, or it's, 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 there was a joke about Canada saying sorry isn't an admission of guilt, but saying sorry can be in the US. It's my understanding. You got to be careful. Well, congratulations, Mara. You've pled guilty to being a bigot and a transphobe by apologizing. And there you go. I got one more segment coming up for you in a few minutes, so stick around. I will see you then. We got a major update in the ASAP Rocky case. According to CNN, ASAP Rocky is free to leave. You can see the breaking news up on top. Uh, admittedly, this is filmed a little bit, a few hours in advance, but um, huge news. And there's some other updates here too, because apparently one witness recanted saying she didn't even hit him. She didn't even see him hit the guy. And so here's, here's my prediction. They've said that he can leave. I think it's going to come down self-defense. He was innocent. It's a complicated situation, but does it warrant several weeks in solitary confinement? No. It seems like things are getting resolved. Now, I have to wonder, did Trump play a role in this? Is the witness recanting being honest? I honestly don't know. I'm sure a lot of people who like Trump are going to say, of course, Trump's pressure helped Rocky. Rocky's a celebrity. He's probably got money and assets and resources. So there's a lot of factors that went to his, to his aid. I don't care where you're from. Money talks, BS walks. No matter, no matter where you go, you can pay your way out of anywhere. You know, you get kidnapped in Venezuela, money will get you out. It's not a good thing to do, but let's be real. You know, Rocky is a celebrity that probably helped him. So let's read a little bit about this to figure out what actually happened. And I have this story. Witness at ASAP Rocky trial didn't see rapper with bottle. Now, now Rocky did admit to holding the bottle, but said he, he put it down. He never used it as a weapon. And apparently there was one story where they said they didn't see Rocky actually hit anybody anyway. I got to say, I'm on Rocky's side on this one. I've seen the videos. Those dudes wouldn't leave him alone. Now, here's the thing. Some people have come. I got messages where they said the initial story is that Aesop's bodyguard picked the guy up and threw him and it broke his headphones. So the guy refused to leave. Whatever, whatever the issue might be. Listen, man, you get your headphones broken. You don't get into a fight over it. Okay. There's nothing you can do about it. Call the cops. If this dude got attacked first, the first thing he should have done is just called the police and said, please resolve this. And that's it. Instead, a fight breaks out. Dude wouldn't leave him alone. That's, that's, that's why you don't do this. More importantly, look, man, the fight was pretty tough. Like, you know, you can see video of, uh, of like, I don't know if it's Rocky, but some people are beating on this guy. Fights happen, man. Okay. We, 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 we shouldn't look, you, you can't allow people to just go around fighting. You can charge them. But I think Rocky being in, in jail for this long is already over the top speedy trial. Bring him in, present the evidence, get it sorted quickly as possible. At least now he's free to leave. As far as I'm concerned, he should come back to the U.S. and whatever the judgment is, he's gone. But it does sound like they're going to they're, they're dismiss this. You know, he's going to be found not guilty. Let's read a little bit. They say, a court in Stockholm has allowed ASAP Rocky to await the outcome of his assault trial in the United States, releasing the American rapper who has spent the past month in Swedish jail. Does a fight warrant a month in jail? I think all of our prison sentences are way too harsh. Like I read stories about, you know, uh, someone getting like a year in prison for like even a car accident, manslaughter, or like leaving their baby in a car or something. And I'm like, dude, 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 a year. It's a long time, man. Okay. I understand when you're older, it feels like time's flying, but uh, that, like, listen, you put people in jail for this long, you damage their careers, you damage like th- their peripheral uh, economics. We want people to be able to re- be rehabilitated. Just giving a large number doesn't change that. Like it, it makes no sense to me that we're like, you're going to go to jail for five years for this drug charge. Like does, does, the, does the extra time rehabilitate them? No, it actually makes them worse and separates them from society. It's a, it's a bet. Anyway, I don't want to rant about this. I don't like private prisons. Let's read on. 
The Stockholm District Court is yet to make a ruling in the case, but said Friday that ASAP Rocky and his two co-defendants were free to leave Sweden. A judgment will be delivered on August 14th. A Swedish prosecutor has asked for a six-month prison sentence for the rapper over an alleged assault. Six months! That's nuts, man. ASAP Rocky has pleaded not guilty and claimed he and his two associates, Vladimir Corniel and David Rispers, were defending themselves in the street ball brawl. But prosecutor Daniel Sinison told the Stockholm District Court on Friday that he has proven the accused were not defending themselves and therefore cannot claim self-defense. In a putative self-defense situation, the violence must still be proportionate. Here we have three people delivering kicks and punches to a person lying down. Yes, but what you have to realize is if somebody starts a fight with you and you hit them one time, they may not go down. Maybe they do go down. If they do, they could get back up and hit you again. It's actually pretty smart in terms of self-defense to make sure they don't get back up. You've got them on the ground and the fight. Don't hurt them more than you need to. But how do you determine that? It's difficult. What are you thinking when, when the student attacks you? Your friends are there. You're, so, so what? Why is it your fault that two other people are helping you? Okay, you can stop at a certain point. I get all of that. You know, it's up to the courts to decide, but it does sound like they're going to be on, uh, on Rocky's side on this one. You know, look, you get into a fight. Sometimes you've, some, someone goes down and they might get back up. That could be bad for everybody, especially if this person's dangerous, unhinged, whatever. Let's read on. The three should be convicted of assault according to my description of events. Oh, his. Sunison said, adding that the previous sentences for such crimes range between six and ten months in jail. The maximum penalty under Swedish law is two years in prison. Oh, my. The alleged victim told the court ASAP Rocky and his entourage assaulted him by kicking and beating him with a glass bottle or part of one while he lay on the ground. Slobodan Jovovic, ASAP Rocky's lawyer, said there was no evidence of the bottle hitting him. The rapper himself admitted he briefly held a bottle during the altercation, but put it down without using it as a weapon. The three suspects told the court they would accept community service if they had to. However, Sunnison said that was not an option. The 30-year-old artist, whose real name is Rakeem Mayers, has been in custody since July 3rd, already a month over this. It's ridiculous. His case has fueled a diplomatic quarrel after repeated interventions from U.S. President Donald Trump's administration. Trump publicly demanded the rapper's release, even raising the issue with the Swedish Prime Minister Stefan Löfven. The trial was moved to a special secure courtroom because of the huge media attention it attracted. However, Jovovich said the case shouldn't be handled in a special way. When they ask me who is my client, I say Rakeem Mayers. I never say ASAP Rocky. This is just like any other trial. Rocky was cross-examined by prosecutors on Thursday, the second day of the trial. The questioning was monitored from the courtroom by Trump's hostage negotiator. Whoa! Yikes! Robert C. O'Brien, the U.S. Special Presidential Envoy for Hostage Affairs, also wrote a letter to the Swedish prosecution, Swedish prosecution Authority earlier this week, saying the U.S. government wanted to resolve the case as soon as possible to avoid potentially negative consequences to the U.S.-Swedish bilateral relationship. I also want to stress, ASAP is a celebrity. That means he's probably got fans in Sweden. It's bad for Sweden in general to keep him locked up. But I do want to stress, ASAP shouldn't get special treatment. If he did this, he should be convicted. We should not have a two-tier justice system, no matter what country you're in or from. He is fortunate enough to have Trump and Trump's people there at his, having his back, which definitely puts pressure on Sweden. I'm glad he can get justice in the event he, he didn't do anything wrong. And I got to say, from the videos, it looks like ASAP didn't do anything wrong. You want to criticize his bodyguard for potentially starting the fight? If that's what happened, fine. But ASAP is on video being like, we don't want any of this beef, man. We don't want to fight this guy. 
Why should he have spent a month in jail over this? I got to say, I'm on his side on this one. I get it. You know, I, I don't know the full details. I'm not trying to act like I'm, I should be passing judgment or anything like that. If, he's, if he did it wrong in this proof, by all means, he shouldn't get special treatment. But I just think it's ridiculous that he's already been in a month over a fight. They say, the letter was leaked to Swedish media and its authenticity was confirmed to CNN by the Swedish prosecution authority. In the letter, O'Brien also asked for a humanitarian release from prison to a supervised detention in a local Stockholm hotel pending final disposition of the case. I take this opportunity to remind the prosecution authority of the commitment by President Trump to Prime Minister Stefan Löfven that the three Americans will remain in Sweden if granted a humanitarian release. In a response letter, Peter Lynn, Sweden's prosecutor general, stressed the independence of the prosecutor and said, no other prosecutor, not even I, may interfere with a specific case or try to affect the prosecutor responsible. The main takeaway from this, though, is that he's free to come to the U.S. If ASAP's in the U.S. and Sweden finds him guilty, I really doubt he will go back. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll honor it. Maybe they'll rule him guilty, but say time served. I don't know if they do that in Sweden, but you know, maybe that's the case. But the important point here is, there were a couple witness statements as I saw. So I just want to read this really quickly as to context as to why he's, in my opinion, innocent, at least if the witnesses say so. AP reports, a witness in the ASAP Rocky assault case on Friday revised her story from initial police reports testifying in a Swedish court that she didn't actually see the American rapper hitting a man with a bottle. And there you go. Was she pressured by the powerful international establishment? I mean, it's possible, but a bit conspiratorial. The reality is, it's been a month. She was probably asked about it and said, I, I, I got to be honest, I don't really remember. I, I don't really know. I mean, it may, maybe I'm wrong. That's common. It happens all the time. People second guess themselves. Maybe she was wrong. There was, she was watching this fight. Adrenaline was pumping. She thought that was Rocky. Maybe it wasn't. These things kind of happen. I do want to stress, I, I, I don't like the idea of powerful interests inter, intervening on behalf of the wealthy when it comes to these crimes. But having watched the, the Instagram videos, man... I know this is just court of public opinion stuff. I know I could be wrong, but it just really feels like Rocky was trying to avoid the conflict and was pushed into it. And I think a month is enough. You want to call him innocent? Fine. You want to call him guilty? Fine. Look, man, he's been locked up for a month. Let's just, let's just put it behind us and move on. Whether or not Trump deserves any credit, I'm not going to play that game. Maybe he does. We've seen his efforts. So look, good on him for trying, I guess. Um, I hope it didn't have a negative impact on true justice, but it is what it is. Big takeaway. Let's wrap it up. Keep the segment segment short. Rocky can come home. I think we're done. There probably there there will probably be some updates moving forward. But there you have it. So thanks for hanging out. Stick around. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. Podcast at 6:30 p.m. And I will see you all then.